And welcome to Slasher Street Podcast. My name is Ryan Devlin, and thank you so much for joining me once again. This is a horror movie podcast where each episode I will be reviewing and discussing in detail a different horror movie from our epic collection here at the house. Just one man sitting on his own talking about his love of horror films. And I hope you're all having an awesome week and welcome to the show. Now, uh, no housekeeping this week. We're just going to jump straight into it because I have a lot to say about the movie that we'll be discussing this week on the show, which will be 1980s, I suppose, quote-unquote slasher classic, Terror Train. Um, now, to be brutally honest with you, this is a movie that, for me, I feel gets overhyped a lot um, by the horror community, by the, the slasher fandom community. Um, you know, before I actually seen this movie, I watched it for the first time maybe a few months ago, uh, and it was always talked about on, like, killer flicks and other horror movie groups. Um, mainly people posting about, you know, the Groucho Marx mask and the kills and the story and all this. And how it was such a classic and everybody loved it. And I was like, wow. So, um... So yeah, I was in HMV a few months ago, my local HMV, and I saw it was there, the 88 films Blu-ray um, for Terror Train, so I was just like, right, you know what, I'm going to pick this up, I'm super hyped, I've got this now, let's get it bought and let's get it watched. Um, but for me, um, it's just not on the level of some of the other slashes that were released around about the same time in the 1980s. Um, I just, I don't know what it is, I just... I do enjoy the movie. I do. It's not like I'm gonna be, you know, shitting on this thing for like, you know, an hour to an hour and a half. As you guys know, I'm a super positive guy. But you know, there's just something about this one that just, I just don't know. I just, I really wanted this to be awesome. I really wanted it to be great, and unfortunately, it's it's just not. And you know, the first time I watched this movie, you know, maybe because of the hype, maybe because I'd built it up a bit too much in my head. I loved the uh, Groucho mask. I loved that whole thing on the poster. I was like, holy shit, this is going to be great. I loved that whole thing. Um, but it just felt a bit underwhelming for me, the whole thing. And on a second watch, I was going into it, you know, for this podcast, I was going into it thinking, well, I know what to expect now. You know, I know what's coming. Um, maybe I'm going to enjoy this a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's it just... It just didn't work out for me, unfortunately. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to keep saying, it's just nothing special. And I really feel quite upset about saying that because I really wanted to love this movie, you know. But I just I just think it's just very, you know, average, unfortunately. But we are going to have an awesome time on this week's show. Don't think just because we're talking about a movie that I think is average, you know, that this isn't going to be a fun show. This is going to be a super, super fun show because there's a lot of stuff about this movie that I want to talk about, um, which is going to make this hella entertaining to say the least. Now, as I said, I own the 88 Films Blu-ray release. 
which is actually a pretty great release in my opinion. The transfer is pretty damn good. You know, I'm quite a good, uh, I quite like the um, slasher classics collection that 88 films brought out in this in the UK. Um, I have about four or five of them, I think, in my collection. This is one of them. Uh, and they're all pretty damn solid. They're all good transfers. They all have a decent amount of special features on. This one has a decent amount of special features on it. You guys know me, I love my special features. Um, so yeah, I definitely didn't feel ripped off by, by this whatsoever. I think I paid £10 for it in my local HMV. So again, it was a great deal. In fact, I think I might have actually paid less than that. I think it was probably 2 for £15. I think my local HMV do awesome deals on... Um, like the Arrow releases on these uh, 88 films releases, they do like two for £15 all the time. So that's £7.50 a pickup, which is unreal. Um, I'm really good friends with Jamie, who's the manager of HMV there. Uh, I always message him sometimes saying, is this in stock? Is this still on a 2 15 So, you know, they do some awesome, awesome deals. I don't know if all HMVs do that because HMV is a strange one where I think it was originally owned by HMV in the UK and I think it got taken over by a Canadian company who basically said to the franchise managers just do what the fuck you want <laughs> like and Jamie honestly he does like some awesome before COVID unfortunately you know this past year hasn't been able to do quite as much of this kind of stuff but he was putting on gigs in our local HMV uh, free gigs you just walk in and watch the band while you're shopping uh, awesome deals on stuff great merch great special um kind of you know um kind of loot boxes and stuff that they do like really awesome stuff i'm, I'm going off topic there completely but yeah just my local hmv is super fucking awesome <laughs> and uh, that's where i picked up this this blu-ray um so Let's talk a bit about the movie. Let's stop talking about HMV. Let's talk a bit about the movie. So, uh, one thing I do really enjoy about this is the setting of the movie. It's set on a kind of a, a college um, fraternity party. Uh, it's like a party train on New Year's Eve. It's a costume party. Um, I know there's plenty of train setting horror movies out there where, you know, the horror movie is set on a train or in a train station. Um, but I do really enjoy the style of this one. Um, I also like how each different carriage is kind of a different setting. So although it's on one train, like each room kind of has its own theme, each room kind of has its own vibe. So I do really enjoy that side of things of the movie. Uh, and I'll tell you what I also really enjoy about this movie is that it feels like they are on a moving train. Um, for, the, for a movie that came out in 1980, uh, this really does pull off the train vibe <laughs> like the locomotive vibe if that makes sense so like the camera it doesn't it looks like the camera is swaying but it's not uh, so how that was done was basically they had these um standard train carriages so these are actually train carriages that the scenes are filmed in uh so they would get the train carriages they would uh build all of the sets in these like train carriages that they had um the sets are really cool as well like i've got a bit i think i kind of 
briefly touched on that but the sets are really good and they're really it's a really tight space that you have to work with in a train now when you you've been on a train before i'm sure like it's super tight walking up and down the aisles um so to film a movie on this kind of setting must have been really challenging and although it wasn't actually a moving train there was it was kind of set in a warehouse these are actual train carriages so they are on a train but not on a actual moving train if that makes sense so to get the aesthetic that they that the train is actually moving they had crew members outside of the train rocking the carriages back and forward to kind of give off that you know that moving train moving train moving train locomotive vibe so i just think that is super cool and super well done actually in this movie that's something i really really do like really clever stuff really clever filmmaking and they have like lights that go past the windows and stuff as if they're on a train really really good stuff um which kind of leads me on to my next point that this is actually a really nicely made movie the dialogue is pretty good um and on paper this should be a really really good flick um there's nothing uh there's no dialogue that makes you think what the fuck are these talking about now you know this is cheesy or anything like that it's a pretty solid made movie you know in terms of the the dialogue and the script you know it doesn't go over cheesy or anything like that even though it's kind of known as a cheesy 80s flick it's pretty uh, serious for quite a lot of the parts in this um it's just some key points in the movie that lets it down unfortunately but in terms of how the movie is made how it looks um i suppose in terms of the sets in terms of the dialogue that's all really good stuff but there's just some key points to this um this movie that really lets it down and one of the main things for me is the complete lack of gore and on-screen kills um this is the main point that really lets this down for me there's other things as well which we kind of got to get into but the main thing for me as you guys know i am a huge fan of practical effects practical gore effects and if you're gonna make a slasher movie i don't care if it's in 1980 or 2021 if you're gonna make a slasher movie you have to go gung-ho you have to do uh, practical on-screen effects because that's what people want to see in a slasher movie people don't want to go and see off-screen kills people don't want to see you know cgi although you know budget might you know make you go in that direction um but people want to see on-screen gore and there's just there's just next to none in this movie it's it's pretty pretty poor uh the special effects and gore lack thereof they're just there's just none we do get um the reveal of the kills so we see you know when the conductor's walking up and down the aisles we see um like a, a throat slit um we see a severed head but we don't actually see those things happening it's all off screen um and when this is an 18 rated um slash r rated movie so r rating in america uh 18 rating in the uk i just don't understand why this has such a high certificate for me this is a 15 um or a pg-13 
in my opinion. Um, there's no gore. There's not really any... There's only, I think, one piece of nudity in the whole film, and that's for... you Literally blink and you miss it. Like, this girl gets her tits out, and it's a blink and you miss it moment. Really, is you could go into the next room to get a drink, come back, you wouldn't even know the scene has happened. Um, so there's no real nudity, no sex, there's no gore, there's not really much bad language either, there's not many swear swear words or anything like that. So again, I just really don't understand why this got an 18 rating. It, it, I, I just, I've, I've, it baffles me. I mean, you know, not only to get an 18, but an R rating, you know. Um, I don't understand that whatsoever. And, you know, there's a few scenes with minimal gore, but not really enough for me. When you think about, for me, you get like there's some 15 rated movies out there um, with more gore than this movie. So I don't quite get that at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's a very strange one for me. Uh, on to another positive though. One thing that I really do like about this, and I think this is a unanimous kind of call from a lot of people who like this movie or who have seen this movie uh, i really like the costume changes that the killer goes with so the killer basically wears the costume of the person that he's killed last so i really enjoy that side of things i think that's really cool obviously the groucho marx mask is on the cover of a lot of the posters it's on the cover of a lot of the dvds and a lot of the blu-rays and that's a cool ass mask like that is a cool mask but he only actually wears that mask for one kill in this movie uh and for only probably 10 15 minutes of the movie the rest of it is on di- he wears different costumes and um one of the creepier scenes in the movie he's definitely not wearing that mask he's wearing like this old man mask so i really really enjoy that um especially uh, the fact that they're on a party train which is a costume party so literally anyone could be the killer wearing any costume even though it's just the one killer it's just the one killer actually um he's uh he is wearing just the one costume so sorry different costumes so it could be any person on the train so i i find that really really cool especially when you're on it's um what did they say an excursion train it's called so it's basically um like a one lap round train basically so kind of like if you're on a train at disneyland or something like that you know you get on at main street you go around disneyland and then they get off at main street well maybe not because they have different stops but if they didn't have different stops it's just like a one way one way around back to the train station they're not going anywhere <laughs> so you are on this train from the st- from it setting off to it leaving you can't get off um because you know as the conductor says if you get off here and walk you'll die because it's so cold so they're trapped on this train with a killer who they don't actually know who the killer is because he's wearing all these different costumes really really good stuff i really enjoy that definitely um now on to what i feel like is probably the big one of my biggest issues with the movie anyway is there are some huge plot holes in this and um so we're going to talk spoilers really so be warned i've kind of talked a few things about spoilers but we're going to talk spoilers definitely from this moment on um so there is some huge huge plot holes in this movie for me such as how the killer how the killer was the magician's assistant in drag the whole time so the 
Killer Kenny, he turns out he's been the, the magician's assistant all this time. But every time we see the magician, he's in the drag with the magician. But then has time to change costumes constantly between shows um, with the magician. And it just, you know, and and then comes back and then is back in drag. I just don't understand that whatsoever. So he's on stage with the magician. He's in drag. Then at the other end of the train, he's in the Groucho Marx mask, killing people. Then he's back in drag. Then he's... A lizard, and then he's killing people, and then he's back in drag. It just doesn't add up. It like the whole thing doesn't add up for me. Um, there is a real magic theme in this movie, a theme that I don't think is touched on anywhere near enough as it should be. This should be all about magic. This should be a slasher magic show. Like this is what this movie should have been. But it completely drops the ball. Um, obviously, this movie has a young David Copperfield in there, pretty much, who plays a starring role, which is awesome. Um, and they say, they say the whole the whole thing is because I'm I'm going to get to it. You know, I understand what people are going to say now because they say that every time David Copperfield makes his um, beautiful assistant disappear, he then kind of has time to go out and kill someone um, and then come back in time for the for the punchline I suppose in the show when he kind of you know like a magician thing where he makes the assistant disappear then he brings him back and all that kind of stuff all that good stuff in in magic shows um, which is a cool concept in the fact of you know the magician assistant disappears here he is and then in that time he's gone and killed someone I completely understand that part but there is no way you would have time to get changed and like get out of drag, get in another costume, put yourself back in drag. It just doesn't make any sense. Did he time travel? Is time travel in this? Has David Copperfield turned like, has he slowed time down in the middle of this trick? When he disappears, does he go into some parallel universe? I just, it just doesn't add up for me, unfortunately. And it's a cool concept. Don't get me wrong. It really is a cool concept. But for me, the whole glaring plot holes there of how the killer actually goes out and kills someone really just doesn't add up. And also, did Kenny book the magician, book himself with the magician um, just so he could get on the train? Because nobody actually booked this magician to appear there. He just turned up because Doc, who is the guy who actually arranged this party, he's like... I didn't. We didn't book a magician. We didn't book a magician, but a magician just turned up. So you're telling, and you know, so not only that. <laughs> I know I've had incomplete logic here. Not only that. So did Kenny book the magician so that he could get on the train? Did he have years of training with you know David Copperfield to get on this specific train? You know this party to e extract his revenge on these people? Um, because again, you know, being a magician's assistant isn't just something like that. You can say, "Oh, here's David Copperfield. Oh, I'm gonna be his magician assistant." Like you would have to go through weeks and months and possibly years of training and rehearsing to get those like stunts down correctly to then go and do a show on a train a very narrow train which i can imagine would be quite dangerous for a magician to do these kind of tricks 
It's not just something that you can just turn up and be the the magician's assistant. Did Kenny kill the magician's assistant and go on the and go on the train and pretend to be his assistant? But then wouldn't David Copperfield know that that's not his actual, you know, assistant? Like Kenny looks gorgeous in drag. Don't get me wrong, but like he would know that's not his actual assistant. So. There's something not quite right there with that whole thing. And I know I'm looking too much into this and overthinking it, but it's a very elaborate plan to get onto the train, perfect these magic tricks, to then get into the costumes, to then kill people, to then get back on stage as the magician system. The whole thing's very convoluted, and that's why I feel like they maybe dropped the ball a little bit with that one, unfortunately, because... I think it would have worked out a lot better had Kenny been the magician and then booked himself as the magician and maybe even had David Copperfield play an older version of Kenny rather than getting the same kid back. I know that it's difficult to do that because it's only been three years, but this is the movies, so you can maybe do something similar. Um, And I feel like a lot of the kills should have been more magic-related, you know, because there's, there's no kills in this movie that are actually connected to the magic show which i think is really a missed opportunity especially when david copperfield does that crazy trick with the with the rose that he gives to jamie lee curtis i think that's insane and uh, he might just had a wire on it who knows but um not from what i've read so if he can do that with a rose and just magic it up surely he could just magic a kill and i feel like that's a huge issue, which had, which it, they just didn't capitalise on, unfortunately, for me. They should have been more magic-related kills. And I, I don't know. But, you know, I, I totally get that I'm overthinking this movie completely. But I've, the more I watch this film, the more I think about it. The first time I watched it, I was like, huh, right. And I kind of just accepted it. But on this second viewing, I was writing my notes and I was just like, this doesn't add up. The time, the timing doesn't add up. You know, it like um. Sorry, I kind of mumbled there for just a couple of seconds. But the only kill that actually makes sense in this movie for that is Moore, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend. Because as we're going to get into, they're doing like this trick where um, David Cobfield makes the magician's assistant disappear, then brings her back. So she could have then, or he could have rather, you know, stabbed him in the neck, stabbed him in the torso real quick and then gone back on stage. That I completely see as plausible. The other kills where he's on the other end of the train in different costume, I just can't, I just can't believe that that's how that played out. So yeah, just one of those things. Although one thing I will say about Kenny and the magician, the whole magician's assistant gag is, like I said, Kenny looks great. He looks really good in drag. Um, And that's not, and I kind of touched on it there, but that's not something you just perfect overnight. That's years of applying makeup and getting your hair correct, getting the dress correct, you know, wig um, wig styling and all that kind of thing. I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh yeah, I watch that shit. So I know, <laughs> I I know this kind of stuff when it comes to drag. And that that's um, one thing that I would say about this movie that I really like as well is it's very progressive for its time. 1980. I don't think there was a big drag scene out there. Um, I think that would have been, you know, not really 
accepted as it is in today's culture. Um, but yeah, I just I just thought that it was very progressive to have someone in drag as the killer in this movie. I think that's really, really, really good stuff. Um, and yeah, Kenny looks fantastic in, as drag. He's a really good drag queen. And uh, he could really go on uh, RuPaul <laughs> or Dragula or something like that. He could really go on there and, and you know, do a good bit, I can imagine. So anyway, um, on to some info on the actual movie itself. Uh, the movie was released on the 3rd of October 1980 with a budget of $3.5 million. <laughs> get off, RuPaul, get out of my head. We've just watched, actually, uh, the reason I kind of got that in my head is because we've just watched the final of RuPaul Drag Race UK. Um, I wasn't... Um, I don't think the... Per- I'm not going to spoil it in case people haven't seen it but because um, it's literally just aired tonight, but um, if you care, even. so. Um, but yeah, I didn't think the person who won should have won. I think it should have came second, but shouldn't have came. It shouldn't have won, but, you know, a-ho. Um, so yeah, anyway, it was a budget of $3.5 million. Um, so a pretty solid budget, um, which I can only imagine was spent on the cast and the sets. <laughs> not the actual effects, because there's hardly any special effects in this movie at all um so i can only imagine that was spent really on the cast because it's a pretty solid cast even for its time and obviously the sets had to be pretty much built from scratch so i can imagine that's where the money went Uh, and it drew a box office of eight million dollars so not too bad of a return you know for a slasher movie not too bad at all um you know really 4.5 million uh, profit it's pretty decent you know pretty decent and obviously it's it's probably made a bit more money since then on you know dvds and stuff and all that kind of good stuff so but yeah uh, the movie stars jamie lee curtis who plays elena who is our final girl um she was you know at this point in time jamie lee curtis obviously she was really getting that title of the scream queen she was in loads of horror movies and slasher movies around this time obviously halloween which came out two years earlier prom night the fog this um so she was in a shit ton of horror movies in that kind of two-year period halloween 2 did halloween 2 go out in 1980 or 81 but it was around that time anyway wasn't it i can't remember so really she's at this point in time even though she's only like 21 years old she's like a real horror icon and legend something that you don't get these days unfortunately you know someone who just does those horror movies that are you know that were big at the time really um but yeah it's cool to see jamie lee curtis in here and realistically she's probably the best actress in the whole movie um it's it's kind of like the rest are pretty decent but not on the level of jamie lee curtis even when she's still young she had a hell of a lot of experience even then um one thing i will say just while we're on the subject um the characters in this movie even Jamie Lee Curtis' character, Elena, um, they are truly awful and truly unlikable. I don't like any of the characters in this movie, and I feel like that really lets it down for me because to get a really good movie and to be really invested in a movie, I feel like you have to at least like some of the characters. You might, you know, and, and by that I don't mean you know, enjoy the character. I feel like they're all fine characters. I feel like they're all fine actors, but they're all awful characters in terms of the they're all horrible people. And you couldn't get 
really behind any of these people because they're all just truly detestable. And, you know, even though Jamie Lee Curtis's character kind of has um, a little bit of remorse and a little bit of regret towards what happens at the start of the movie, she still doesn't really, you know, not really, you know, she carries on with her life as if nothing has happened. So she's still awful as well. Uh, and that's a real issue that, you know, you just don't feel sorry for any of these people that are getting killed um, from start to finish. Um, like I say, there's nothing wrong with the acting, the fine acting, um, but the characters are just awful. Um, and, you know, you just want them all to die, unfortunately. Even Jamie Lee Curtis's character, you're like, yeah, she kind of deserves to die almost just as many, much as everyone else. We'll get into it all as we get into the actual movie itself. But she almost deserves to die just as if not more than the other people so but we're going to get into it all um the movie also stars ben johnson as carney the train conductor easily the best and the most likable character in this whole movie which says something that the bloody 60 odd year old train conductor is the most likable character in the movie um he's a really good character really uh like i say likable really fun uh, he's trying to get down with the kids and all that kind of stuff. So he's a really good character. Really like him. Uh, we also have David Copperfield who plays the magician. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, you can tell that um, he's kind of a bit rusty. This is one of... I think this is his first acting gig. Um, it's almost a shame that he didn't play like a bigger role. Like he should have been like... the Him and Jamie Lee Curtis should have been like a double team. Because it's kind of teased in the movie that they're going to be like a double team um, because they're kind of flirting with each other a little bit and he gets her peanuts, he gives her a rose and I think they were going to get a drink. Um, So they kind of tease that they should be the final two but he doesn't really play a huge you know, part in the end. He is starring in it but not a a huge part of it. Um, But he should have been either the killer or the main guy. Like, for me, like, he should have been one of those two people. But I don't know whether David Copperfield wasn't quite the, the household name that he is now back then. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but... Um, but he was he was cool. It was really cool to see him um, in this movie. Uh, Hart Boschner as Doc. I think he was in... Was he in Die Hard or one of the Die Hards? Uh, Sandy Curry plays Mitchie. Timothy Webber as Moe. Anthony Sherwood as Jackson. And Derek McKinnon as Kenny Hampson, who is our eventual killer. Uh, so let's get on with the blow-by-blow of the movie because there is a lot to talk about. I kind of almost went off on a tangent there about Jamie Lee Curtis's movie, so that's all coming up. So let's get on with this right now. Let's do a blow-by-blow of the movie Terror Train. Okay, so the movie starts with this uh, New Year's Eve party at a fraternity house, and that's one thing I didn't mention before. This really is a New Year's Eve movie like a one that you could watch on new year's eve um so it's a holiday movie that's pretty cool i didn't even think of it until that minute there that this is more like a holiday movie um but yeah that's kind of one thing uh, one one thing that i find really funny about this scene as well in this country in the uk we have colleges we have unis we have all that kind of stuff i didn't ever go to college i didn't go to uni i left school at 16 and got a job 
get a damn job, you bum. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I left school at 16, got a job, so I didn't get to experience the uni life or anything like that. But we, as far as I'm aware, um, I have friends who have been to uni and I've stayed at people's houses who were at uni and kind of campus lodging and stuff like that. Um, so I have experienced small parts of uni life but not without not actually living it um, but anyway so we don't have like fraternities or anything like that um whereas in america that seems to be like the thing isn't it like that is where you know you have these fraternity houses that's where you have your parties your brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff i just i just find that whole lifestyle pretty um pretty crazy to be honest with you i don't know like i just i just couldn't um think about it i just it's just something that because it's such a world away from how it is in the uk it's just very strange but yeah so um the whole thing that the virgins wear a woolly hat like that that part of it i actually found quite entertaining so they're all wearing these like it reminded me a lot of american pie band camp um if you've seen that movie where uh is it jackson from hannah montana and he's got like that little beanie on and all like the freshmen have to wear the um have to wear the the hats well basically the hats say that you're a virgin so how cruel is that (laughs) <laughs> how cruel is that but to be fair it's not like just one or two of them are virgins like oh there seems to be a lot of virgins in that crowd so at least they're not on their own you know that's kind of cool but i was just like what like wearing a beanie hat to say that you're a virgin oh dear anyway uh so these guys they lure kenny into um the bedroom with elena who is jamie lee curtis's character now this for me shows what pieces of shit every single one of these characters are um this has got to be one of the worst pranks so like another horror movie that starts off with a prank that ends up you know scarring the killer for life and then you know he comes back to extract his revenge but this for me is one of the cruelest pranks i've ever seen in a movie and probably one of the worst things you could ever do to someone um i just feel like this for me shows how much of a piece of shit all these characters are and especially jamie lee curtis's character and this is an issue for me in this whole movie that you know we're meant to really get behind jamie lee curtis we're meant to really you know she's meant to be the final girl she's meant to be this strong woman who battles the killer at the end and you know what like because of what she does in the first 10 minutes of this movie like i just have no sympathy for it i think she's a total fucking c-u-n-t really truly it would have been better written for me again i know i'm kind of rewriting the whole movie here if they'd got mitchy to play this part and had jamie lee curtis kind of say no no this is a bad idea don't do this you know we shouldn't really do this this is wrong mitchy don't do it and then mitchy her best friend does it anyway that would have been much better because then we would have had jamie lee curtis on this train um we would have felt a bit sorry for her that all of her friends are getting killed, even though they're a bunch of assholes, but she wasn't partaking in the prank. She was trying to save Kenny from this prank, trying to get them to stop it. So that would have worked out so much better. But the whole way this plays out is that Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Elena, she lures Kenny into the bedroom and she's like standing behind the bed. She's like, come on, Kenny, you know, come on 
kiss me Kenny and the poor guy's there in like his yellow wife runs ready to be laid you know ready to get laid for the first time in his entire life this is gonna be like the most exciting moment in this guy's life you know he's obviously not the coolest guy in school um, and he's gonna lose his virginity to this girl he really likes on New Year's Eve he's got his friends backing him and he's like this this is great you know life couldn't get any better um, and yeah he gets into bed and it's a corpse in the bed with him. A corpse that has been stolen from the mortuary or from the medical school or wherever these guys got it because they're all medical students. They stole it, they put it in the bed and he was like going to kiss this thing and he just freaked the fuck out. Now, how the fuck did Jamie Lee Curtis's character think this was going to play out? You know... I can understand that the the guys thought that it was going to play out this way, but how did she think this was going to play out? Because, like, the guy just freaks out completely, and the the guys are there laughing at him, and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is like, oh my god, oh my god, how could this happen? It's like, how did you think this was going to happen? Like, you put a fucking corpse, an actual real-life corpse, into his into a bed and try to get him to lose his virginity to it. Like, what the fuck? Like, obviously this was gonna... How it was gonna play out all this time. Um, And yeah, for me, this is just, like, the worst thing possible. I mean, this poor kid. And that, for me, is why I feel no sympathy for Jamie Lee Curtis's character, because had it been Mitchie who was doing that, which is what it should have been, that would have been so much better. That would have made so much more sense. That would have given us much more reason to get behind Elena and Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. But in the end, I was like, fuck no. Like, these people are scum. Like, actual scum. Like, you know, no one would do this to someone. You know, putting... For one, it's grave robbing for a start. I know they've just stole it from the medical school, but Jesus Christ, this is, like, awful. Like, this is one of the worst pranks I've seen in a horror movie, and that says something. Um, so anyway, we jump three years later, and um, we find out that Kenny has been um, in a psychiatric ward this whole time. Basically, he completely, you know, lost his mind when um, when when the when this incident happened. So like his life, like not only did they ruin like his New Year's and ruin like you know his chances of getting laid again because he's always going to be known probably as corpse boy or something like or you know um a necrophiliac like that's one thing that people call him in school you know people just jump all over that um but yeah so he's then been in a psychiatric ward for three years like jesus fucking christ jesus christ um which again just that adds more fuel to my how the fuck did he become a drag queen how the fuck did he become a magician's assistant you know how it's never really explained like that part of things uh so we get to the graduation party uh on the train their last big college party so i don't know when college finishes but this is on new year's eve surely you would have like another four to five months of college and then the end of year party i don't know i was like what this is gonna be a last party like why? Like, it's only New Year's Eve. You're surely only halfway through the school year. Like, what's going on there? But anyway, uh, maybe it was different in 1980. Love the concept. Uh, as I already said, love the costume party concept. Really enjoy all that kind of good stuff. 
Um, that one thing that's really good is they get rid of the comedy guy first, which is very rare in a slasher movie. Now, normally they would get rid of the comedy guy kind of third or fourth, halfway through, but they get, uh, I think it's Ed who is the comedy guy. He's dressed up in the Groucho Marx costume and he's like this loud asshole who's just jumping on everyone, giving these awful jokes. I didn't even write any of them down because they're all awful um and probably worse the way he delivers them because he's like laughing at himself and oh this character just one more like awful character <laughs> there's in fact there's only one good character in this movie that's part of the fraternity and that's the prez that is the only good character in the in this in this whole movie from the fraternity like that is the only character that i like the press he was actually a virgin at the start of the film so i presume he's not a virgin anymore and he's dressed like this uncle sam costume he's a cool guy like he's a sweet guy he's you know one in there to help jamie lee uh, curtis's character um he's obviously wanting to get you know he's a pretty suave guy as well like he's trying to get himself laid don't get me wrong but he didn't really seem to do anything wrong he was just a nice guy um so i really enjoyed the prez but like everyone else fuck them um <clears throat> So yeah, so we get rid of the comedy guy pretty much straight away, Ed. He gets killed first. Um, he's the one who is originally dressed in the Groucho Marx costume. Um, and uh, thank God, as I say, because that guy's just a pain in the ass. Now, he gets a sword through him and dies on the train tracks. And every it's this whole thing of boy who cries wolf. Everybody thinks he's joking. It actually reminded me a lot of Shelley in... Um, Friday the 13th because obviously Shelley gets the uh, the fake axe into the head and then when he eventually does get an axe through the head nobody believes him like oh ha ha Shelley and then obviously they realize he's actually dead whereas in this one they don't realize Ed is actually dead they think he's clouded around they think he's got a sword through him and the blood's coming out as a gag so i can talk that i actually enjoyed i thought that was a really cool idea unfortunately we didn't see the sword go in we didn't see the sword go out uh, but we just see him with the sword in him so again the effect is uh, not bad not great it's okay um <clears throat> So, but yeah, the fact that they all thought he was joking, I thought that was really cleverly done. And I just wonder if uh, Friday the 13th took that, because this obviously came out before Friday the 13th Part 3, which has Shelley in uh, with the axe and the whole, um, you know, fake kill concept thing that they go with there. And the killer takes his costume, um, and <clears throat> we see David copperfield in this as well for the first time here and he's like looking out and see oh what a rotten crowd but the music that the band are playing there's a band on before him and the music they're playing is awful like for a party bus um this music is just like awful i can't really it's like i keep this is probably gonna sound weird because for like the second time in two weeks i'm gonna say this but it sounds almost like porn music it's like you know like really crap piano keyboard bass music really shit and there's people like the dance floor's full and i'm like how are people dancing to this it's awful it's like ugh. and this is a thing as well i feel like this movie hasn't aged very well for some scenes and the music scenes in particular are one of the reasons i think this hasn't aged very well um because the music's just awful um the whole the whole soundtrack in this movie isn't great um in fact there isn't i don't think there really is much of a soundtrack in this and again i feel like that is why this movie 
feels like it's aged worse than it actually has. It just doesn't... The music's not good at all. The music really isn't good. Um, it just doesn't... doesn't really work with the vibe of the movie for me. Uh, but I say, cool to see David Caulfield with that music. It's just a, a mood vacuum, as they say. And um, one thing I would say about Jamie Lee Curtis' character, again... So she kind of catches up with her boyfriend and his friend Doc in one of the carriages. And they're talking about Kenny and how, you know, he went into a psychiatric ward and all that kind of stuff. And when it actually looks like she is sticking up for Kenny and, you know, arguing... She obviously hasn't got over what happened that night and she's arguing with Mo, her boyfriend, and arguing with Doc and saying how scummy they are. And literally, like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, right, okay, we're kind of getting on side here for you. She literally, like, throws a party popper in his face, starts laughing at him, and then she's, like, laughing with them. She's like, ha-ha, like, joining the party, and you're like, what the fuck? She's very hot and cold. Like, some minute she's, like, arguing with a boyfriend about this or about Doc or something. Then the next minute she's like, woo, yeah, yeah, totally. Let's just carry on partying, you know, totally uh, don't mind, you know, all that shit we pulled three years ago. It's like, what, like... Get your stance and stick with it. It's like one or the other. It really... Oh, it's just... Her character is all over the place. It's just so frustrating. Um, <clears throat> um, and... Uh, like I say, one of the biggest issues in this movie is the kills. And the lack of gore. And this just is shown with the... A, the Groucho kill. But more so this the lizard kill. Like, so the Groucho guy gets the lizard guy, Jackson. <laughs> I keep saying, like, Groucho guy, lizard guy, old guy. You know, because they're always wearing these costumes and trying to remember who they all are. And he gets him in the bathroom and uh, he's like, oh yeah, and he just smashes his head against the mirror. And then cuts away. Uh, and then th that's a thing that is a common theme in this movie, is when we get to the kill... It cuts away. Cuts away, soundbite of a train. Just, you know, let's just forget that didn't happen. Just, it's just, oh, it's so frustrating because it could have been so much better. Could have been so great, but it just it just doesn't, um, it just doesn't flow as well as it should. Um, one thing that's awesome about this, I've kind of touched on it already, but the young David Copperfield in this is so much fun. And it actually is interesting because he... When he's performing these tricks on the stage, he's doing that live. So the reaction of the crowd in the audience is actually their reaction because it's not part of the of the movie. It's not part of the direction. It's literally the director is like, David Copfield, get on stage. We'll film you for 20 minutes or so. Do your show and uh, just do your bit. And that's what he does. So what you see on the show, it's not edited. It's not... Um, got any special effects or dulled down or anything like that that is actually david copperfield's live show so or you know parts of it so i just think that's super awesome and really great part of this movie one of the best parts of it really and it's just such a shame that uh we don't get more of the magic you know we really should that's one thing we definitely should get more of the magic um the uh conductor in this movie as well he um <clears throat> He finds Jackson's body, the lizard man. He finds the body and then he goes and he, he basically locks the door, leaves the body because he's like, this is why I like the conductor in this movie. I think his character is really clever because he knows that if he um, 
like sounds an alarm they're in the middle of nowhere they're on this one-way round trip back to where they started so if he like raises an alarm or anything like that he's going to cause so much panic and he'll never find the killer i just find that super super cool and then so he just locks the door goes back to the front of the train to see his colleague, explains the situation. Like, he's fairly calm, even though he's asking for a drink. He's fairly calm and knows that they need to kind of cover this up, try and, not cover it up, but, you know, stop people finding out, make sure the panic doesn't get out, really enjoy that side of things. Um, and then when they get back, there's no blood on the in the bathroom and the lizard is actually moving so the killer has then replaced the body with his own body so i don't know where i put uh, jackson after that I probably chopped him up somewhere but he's cleaned the bathroom and now he's just pretending he's drunk and this also kind of makes the conductor like question his own mentality question his own sanity like did he really see that because there was blood and now there isn't blood um was it a prank was it in his mind you know what's going on so i really like that that the conductor you know questions his sanity and then it's the perfect crime because the killer just gets away with it straight away because he's like well hmm there was blood but now there isn't oh and he's alive so oh well we'll just move on and carry on with the train even though the conductor knows something's wrong it's just really cool like like that whole that that is one of the aspects of the movie i do really like um i said doc as well who is jamie lee curtis's boyfriend and more they're such assholes they are such complete assholes it doesn't take them very long at all to cheat on their partners i think literally jamie lee curtis walks away and mitchy walks away although doc and mitchy have a bit of an open relationship from the side from the uh, from the sounds of it um but yeah like jamie lee curtis and moore have like a little argument and then the next thing he's going into another room with some girl and you're like come on like although he doesn't really cheat on her that much or well at all i don't know if he actually cheats on her in this movie he kind of dances with the girl and sees her tits so maybe he does but like come on like and like it just takes him no time and the girls don't seem too bothered about it anyway because the girls look through like the um the the window of the other carriage see them going off with these two girls and they're just like okay let's carry on dancing and jamie lee curtis's character as well she kind of flirts heavily with david david copperfield and mitchy she ends up wanting to sleep with the lizard man who she thinks is jackson who is one of doc's friends <clears throat> so all in all these four people are just terrible and just cheating on each other all over the place you know so although i said that doc and more assholes the girls aren't much easy are much better in this you know they're also cheating on their boyfriends you know although mitchy doesn't cheat on him with jackson because of what eventually happens she still was going to do that in her head that's what she was planning on doing and jamie lee curtis was for all intents and purposes loving flirting with the magician so you know, although Jimmy Lee Curtis is a little more innocent, they are all horrible people. So yeah, as I kind of alluded to there, Mitchie is the next one to die because she uh, finds the lizard boy, or who she thinks is Jackson, uh, and she takes him to her bed. Like, so she's like taking advantage of this guy, or he, she thinks that <coughs> she thinks that he's drunk. So she's got like, come on, let's go and have you know, let's go and have sex. <coughs> oh, sorry, good God completely just coughing all over the place it's not covid but i just have a really tickly uh tickly throat tonight 
Uh, so apologies if my voice is breaking up a bit here. But just my complete, my throat is just all over the place. Um, so yeah. So she takes him off the conductor's hands and they kind of go into her bunk bed, uh, as it was. And she's like, come on, let's, you know, more, uh, not more. Uh, Doc wouldn't have to know. Let's just, let's just do it. You know what? We've got a chance. Let's just do it together. So, um, and the lizard boy kind of, uses Jackson's hand like the hand that he's cut off to kind of feel Mitchie up really good stuff but then when he actually goes to um kill Mitchie again it's just he grabs her throat she screams the we just hear a train whistle and then it's off screen and then to another scene and it's like come on like just give us something (laughs) like we're three kills in three kills into this movie and not one of them has been on screen it just it's super super annoying uh what could have been in this movie really is but the conductor does find mitchy's body and at this point in time he finally realizes he's not losing his mind he did actually see the dead body and he now knows there's a killer on the train so i again i feel like that might have happened a little bit too quickly actually um because we didn't actually play on the whole did he see it i I think it would have been better had we had the killer pulled the same trick again where he sees mitchy um and then takes the body and then they go back that she's not there that would have been good and that would have also felt a bit more magic you know with the magic aspect of the movie she's she's seen someone and now she's disappeared that would have felt a bit better um but yeah unfortunately that's not how it played out and uh we do see a little bit of gore here this is the first bit of gore that we actually see and it's just mitch's uh throaty slit and it's pretty decent you know it's nothing special um but it's pretty decent it does the trick and uh really at this point in time in the movie i'm just like happy that we've got any gore whatsoever (laughs) not just like nothing whatsoever uh and the conductor tells uh elena that mitchy is dead and she just like didn't take it well and this is a good thing this is why it was solid to have someone like jamie lee curtis in this movie because her reaction to the fact that her best friend has died it's very very similar to that of uh, how she reacts in halloween to annie brackett's death and it's just all really good stuff in my opinion uh she's got a fantastic uh wobble on her you know when she when she's screaming and when she doesn't but when she can't believe something is happening so jamie lee curtis is really solid and had it been another actress in this role i feel like that would have just been not good enough for what this movie was looking for so that for me works really really well um and more dies out of nowhere like so this is the one that I was talking about at the very start when we we're talking about magic um more dies absolutely out absolutely nowhere he's literally sitting down and then um doc turns around and he's dead out of nowhere so that for me works out quite well in the fact that uh when the magician's assistant goes through she's at the end of the room she can quickly kill kill him um and then go back and this is where the whodunit factor comes in because it's actually david copperfield who was at that side of the room so people were like oh was it david copperfield was it the mission was it somebody else so that was pretty cool but the actual kill itself just like out of absolutely nowhere like one minute he's happy and talking then the scene cuts to something else then we go back and he's dead it's like what the fuck like what's happening here um 
Uh, and again, like this is another uh, boy who cried wolf uh, kind of scene because because Doc is full of pranks. He's like the prankster. When he's pulling uh, Moore's body through the carriages, everybody's just laughing at him because everyone's like, ah, oh, ha, ha, another practical joke. He's like, no, he's actually fucking dead. Uh, I just really like that. But twice twice that kind of same gag has happened now it happened with ed at the start and now it's happened with doc so it's like mm, we've kind of played on this a bit much now you know one of those things um doc uh, not doc sorry the conductor stops the train in the middle of nowhere and uh, they they kind of he, this is a really cool line because he gets them all off the train <laughs> tells them what's going on and <laughs> He says there's a killer on the train. And they're all just like, I'm going to get back on the train with the killer, I'll walk. It's like, if you walk, you'll die. So it's like, well, you don't have much... Why did you get us off the train then? It's like getting them all onto the uh, onto the one carriage. It's like, fuck's sake. Um, <clears throat> the driver's killed as well. Like, we don't see the driver. That's We see his hat, and his hat has blood on it. But there's, there's no, like body we don't actually ever see the body of the train driver so again like another kill that this one's worse because we don't even see any of it i was like oh what's going on um what happened to him show us show us something you know show yourself <sighs> anyway uh elena thinks it's kenny hampson for some reason and this is the thing as well like why does she think it's kenny hampson it is kenny hampson don't get me wrong she's correct but why would she think that it's him? Like, she hasn't seen him for three years. All she knows is he's locked up in a mental institution. Why would she think it's Kenny Hampson? I, yeah, because he likes magic? Because he was a magician? Like, the magician doesn't look anything like him. Did you forget what he looks like in three years? Like, oh, Jesus. Like, I don't understand how she can jump to that, you know that side of things and then out of nowhere she's like oh yeah and he killed somebody don't you know he killed someone it was an accident but he still killed someone it's like why do we need this information like we know he's the killer like we know he's probably the killer even though they're playing it off as a whodunit but why do we need this extra information like doesn't add anything to the movie whatsoever um <clears throat> and they think he's the magician they think kenny is the magician i think i get that impression so they think the magician's the killer, even though it's it's not, as it works out. Um, <clears throat> there's a scene with um, Doc and Elena, which is just super, super strange and pretty hard to watch. Um, they kind of have this, like, fight in the middle. Of, so he gets them back on the train, even though everyone was safe outside with each other. They get back on the train, just the two of them, and lock themselves in this carriage, and they have, like, this little fight, and it's just... I was like, why is this scene here? Why why are we doing this? Like, it doesn't make any sense why this is a thing. And when we see Doc get killed, um, again, off-screen, shock horror, um, the, they have um, the hand that jumps on him. So the hand that touches him has... It's clearly... It looks like a woman's hand in real life. It's got, like... Uh, uh nail varnish and everything like that so it kind of at that point in time makes you think it's a woman and makes you probably think it is the magician's assistant like it's definitely not the magician but we still carry on the movie as if it was the magician and it's like it clearly isn't the magician because we've just seen the hand of the person who's done it so that's a strange one that's a strange one 
Um, da, 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 and he's dumped in the luggage hold. Good enough for him, in my opinion. And this is a this is probably the best bit of gore of the movie. Um, where the conductor looks in the room and uh, Doc's body falls down. And then following that is Doc's head. So Doc's been beheaded and he's put his head and his body in the luggage hold. Good enough for the guy, in my opinion, for what he did to poor Kenny. But um, this was probably the best bit of gore of the movie and probably the best jump scare of the movie. Uh, you think the bodies fell down you think that's it and then the head rolls out as well and that that really gives you a bit of a shock pretty good effect looks decent although the head looks like it's been up there for years it's a one of those kind of low budget slasher heads that you know looks not, almost nothing like the person it's meant to but it was pretty good and after a movie of disappointing kills i was happy to see it i was like oh finally we're getting something here finally we're getting a little something to work on um <clears throat> Another thing as well that people might um, have missed a little bit in this movie, but when the conductor goes to get the magician's assistant to kind of keep her safe, he's like, oh, where is he? Where's the magician? And she's like, oh, he's back there. She says to him, um, I'll be back soon, Ken. Or do you want a drink, Ken? I'll get you a drink, Ken. I'll be back soon. She calls him Ken, short for Kenny. So again, that makes it us think that he is the killer he's kenny um so that's strange although maybe they're both called ken maybe he was called ken um but yeah he she calls him ken so i was like right well that's pretty cool that 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 adds another layer to it but i was like but we know it's not him we know that's not kenny like oh i don't know because <laughs> he's not wearing the little varnish maybe they could have been a double team that would have been pretty cool as well mm, yeah that could have worked um <clears throat> Uh, da, 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 da. so yeah as I said Jamie Lee Curtis plays a fantastic scared teenager doesn't she she's like one of the best that's why at this point in time she was getting really all of these roles because she was just you know so much above everyone else that was probably available at that time uh, <clears throat> one of the train staff is killed with the sword again that's off screen uh, nothing special and the magician has gone missing also in the meantime. Um, the killer tracks down um, Elena. And um, <clears throat> this kind of breaks off into this big fight. So you think this is kind of like the 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 big finale the big fight uh and the kill this is actually probably the creepiest the killer looks in the whole movie he has like this old man mask on he's got like a robe on like he looks super creepy at this point in time this is probably the scariest look of the movie and i really dig it um and this whole scene with the killer fighting jamie lee curtis's character really re this is good stuff like this is the probably the best part of the from finding that head to this point is probably the smart the best part of the movie in my opinion um for that tw that 20 minutes works really really well um <clears throat> and they just fight through the carriages and she locks herself in this cage and the killer's like busting out all the lights and you know rattling on the cage and it's super intense she's screaming she puts in a great performance in this scene like fantastic performance from jamie lee curtis um how scared she is she's screaming it's really 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 good stuff 
and in the end she throws him off the train she she gets the better of him kicks him off the train and she thinks that that's it she thinks that she's won that's the job done and there's so we kind of fast forward five minutes in the movie but she there is this great scene where jamie lee curtis she thinks she's safe she's asleep in one of the trains because she's they're only 10 minutes away from from the end they're almost home and there's this super creepy shot of the killer's hand coming down the window and we see like the old man mask in the window great shot this for me is probably the best shot of the movie this this scene this shot is super intense super creepy great great stuff and it's like he's right behind her he's not dead he's still on the train how he survived i've no idea because she booted him off the train and that train was going fast so how he survived how he kept hold i don't know but he was and he did so one of those things uh, we find the magician's body in the box. This is a good reveal as well, where the box just opens up and he's got all of the swords through his body. Kind of that classic magician's trick. Um, <clears throat> and Jamie Lee, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis discovers the bodies, discovers the magician's body, and she runs through two carriages two full carriages of people um who would have kept her safe if she had stopped in one of those carriages she would have been safe or for the most part the killer's still alive but she would have been safe and she ran through two carriages full of people didn't alert anyone only to because she thinks that uh, the magician was the killer of course this is that she still thinks that she fought the magician and now the magician's been killed so she's run through two full carriages of people and then gets to one carriage on her own, sits down in front of who she believes is the conductor. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why didn't you just tell people who were in one of these two full carriages? Stay warm. Have a drink. What are you doing? Oh, just crazy decision from her. Anyway, she goes to the... Um, so the, what she, she thinks is the conductor is like, I don't know who it is anymore. I just don't know who it could be. And it's like, really? You don't know who it could be? Really? <laughs> like, who could it be? And the killer's literally right in front of her. It's not the conductor. It's actually the killer right in front of her. And this is where the big, big reveal. And, you know, although it's pretty obvious that the killer is Kenny Hampson, um, even from the first 10 minutes of the movie, you know that Kenny is going to be the killer. Because that's slasher and horror movie logic that the guy who has all of this bad stuff happen to him is the killer of the movie. And it's this great reveal. It's actually a pretty cool reveal. I, I must admit, where they, he takes this plastic mask off, takes the conductor hat off, takes his makeup off, takes the wig off, and then there he is, Kenny. And there's kind of like these flashbacks of, um, like, oh, this is the magician's assistant. This is Kenny. This is the magician's assistant. Remember, he's the same person. He's been in drag the whole time. It's like, yes, we know. <laughs> Like, we know this already. We've worked it out for ourselves. You don't need to tell us on screen. Maybe for some people they do need to tell them. I don't know. But I was just like, you don't need to tell us this. We already know. Um, but yeah, the reveal is pretty good. It's a very elaborate reveal. But I do it. I do really like it. Um, <clears throat> and 
All he wants is a kiss. All he wants from Elena is a kiss. And he gets a kiss off her. To be fair, she does kiss him. And this, for some reason, just this just triggers him. This just brings back all of the memories from, from that night three years ago. And from this point in time, really, I feel like Kenny is harmless. I feel like he's not going to hurt anyone because he's more of a danger to himself at this point. He's been in like this trance the whole movie of just killing all these people that did wrong to him. Whereas as soon as uh, Elena kisses him, he kind of like breaks the spell or kind of goes back into this regression of how he felt three years ago, completely loses his mind. Very similar, same kind of reaction he had to when the dead body was in the bed with him, how he, you know, he was running around, spinning around in circles. Really good stuff. And then the conductor hits him twice with the shovel like, and out of, straight out the train. And this is a good kill. This is actually one of the better kills of the movie where the conductor just hits him in the head with a shovel and he falls off the train, falls um, what looks like a long way down, like maybe 100 feet down or more. And you see the body just crash bang onto the ice below and into the river. Really good kill. I enjoyed that very much so. Because it was on screen. Like, that was the only kill of the, of the movie that was actually on screen. And it was the killer um, who got, um, you know, thrown down at the, off, the, off the train to his death. And it was a pretty cool. And that landing man, just, obviously there wasn't a real person there. It was just like a, probably like a a crash dummy or something like that. But it really looked pretty damn good in my opinion. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, and then that's it. Like, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> like, so the body crashes. Kenny's dead. Oh my God, you killed Kenny, you bastard. You know, the conductor killed Kenny. And uh, and then, yeah, that's uh, really the end of the movie. So all in all, like, it's been pretty fun to talk about. It's been hard in some places to talk about this movie as well because, you know, a lot of it's not great and especially the kills, especially the effects, it's not great at all. There is some definitely good things about this movie, as I said. Uh, the costume changes, I like the killer. I like the reveal of the killer. I like um, the conductor, I like the setting. Um, but everything else, I'm not a big fan of really at all. So it's a real mixed bag of a movie, but for me the important bits are the characters, although I like the killer and the conductor, but the, the heavy majority of the characters I dislike, and obviously the Prez, I like the Prez. Um, heavy majority of the characters I dislike, kills a crap, really crap. Um, but yeah, and the music's not very good. So... All in all, it's a real mixed bag of a movie for me. I think it's pretty average. So I'm going to give this a 5.5 out of 10. Maybe a 6 out of 10 if I'm feeling generous. But would I recommend this? Mm, probably not, really. I mean, I would recommend it if you're a slasher movie fan and you haven't seen it. I feel like you should see it. But if you're just a person looking for a a slasher flick or a, you know a horror movie to watch on a Saturday night I probably wouldn't recommend this one at all uh I don't think you would really get your enjoyment or money's worth out of it in that sense so I probably wouldn't recommend it to those people but I would recommend it to slasher movie fans who haven't seen it 
but that's pretty much it really in my opinion uh so without any further ado let's get on to the trivia of territory to wrap up this week's show Okay, so let's get right into this one. So there's quite a bit of trivia actually for Terra Train. I was surprised at how much there was, and this is there was actually more than what I actually wrote down here. So, um, so here we go. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, the idea for Terra Train came from a dream that Daniel Grodnick had one weekend night after seeing the films Halloween and Silver Streak. Dan woke up and said to his wife, what do you think about putting Halloween on a train? His wife answered, that's terrible. He jotted down terrible train on a piece of paper on his nightstand and in the morning he changed the title to Terror Train. He wrote 22 pages and made a deal on it with Sandy Howard's company at three in the afternoon. Um, magician David Copperfield once said uh, of this movie that he appeared in film is magnifying film is a magnifying glass for magic so I had to be very careful what you can see on screen is exactly what the extras saw during shooting um, the train was rocked back and forth on a rig inside a warehouse in order to simulate the train locomotion as we talked about earlier uh, the opening prologue of the college bonfire was the very last scene of the movie to be filmed it was added during post-production around one month after principal filming ended as a tie-in to the origins of the character Kenny Hampson. And could you imagine, actually, that if they had done this movie without that opening scene, I actually feel like that would have been almost better? Maybe not better? I just think they should have done it differently, as I've, I've, I've gone into that. But, like, maybe we would have felt a bit more <clears throat> sympathy for Jamie Lee Curtis's character had we not seen how she acted in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I don't know. Um, this was David Copperfield's only acting role in film or television. However, Copperfield has played himself in numerous films and television series. Uh, the temperature got so cold one night that a filming camera got completely frozen out on that night. The movie was filmed aboard actual train cars that they converted for the production to allow space for large camera equipment. Due to the lack of room, a special dolly carriage was built for the cameras. Um, the train used in the film, the Canadian Pacific Railway number 1293, was still an operational, still an operational locomotive as recent as February 2002. So you could have actually rode the Terror Train. That's pretty cool. Um, body count in this one is seven on-camera confirmed kills, three off-camera unconfirmed, one missing presumed dead. Um, and then obviously you've got the killer on top of that who we have to presume died because he fucking landed like a sack of tazies from a great height. And uh, finally, during the final night scene, sorry, during the final fight scene, God, it's getting late, when Jamie Lee Curtis was being attacked by a stuntman standing in for actor Derek McKinnon, who plays the killer, she slammed the cage door against the stuntman's face. The production crew was supposed to replace the door with a collapsible one, but forgot to do so. So the metal spoke 
punctured the man's face, injured him. Jamie Lee Curtis was so upset that she left the set and wouldn't come back for two days. Damn. Um, so that wraps up uh, Terror Train. That's Terror Train in the bag. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. As I had a lot to talk about with this movie because it's such a mixed bag. And although I've probably rambled on quite a bit there, you know, it's just there's a lot to take in and a lot to talk about about this movie in particular. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And uh, I know that a lot of people had um, wanted me to do this one for a while. So hopefully I didn't like shit all over your favorite movie or anything there but you know i just i have to give my honest opinion but whilst also being upbeat and try and make it as fun as possible for you guys um so yeah that wraps that one up uh, next week on the show i've been umming an hour and what to do so next week on the show uh, i'm pretty confident this is the one we're gonna do we're gonna do the toxic avenger uh, which I, is a one that i've been thinking about doing for a long long time we're going to do the Toxic Avenger, and then I think the week after that, we're maybe going to do the Summer of 84, which is obviously a movie that was in my top 10 of the 2010s, uh, which was last week's episode. So if you haven't done so, go and check that out already. Spoiler alert, that movie is in there. But it's just a movie that I really want to talk about a lot on this podcast, do a full spoiler discussion. So I think that's going to be the next two weeks' worth of films. We're going to do the last, sorry, the last Avenger, <laughs> the Toxic Avenger next week, then Summer of 84 the week after, and then who knows what we'll do after that we'll we'll think of something great no doubt about it but i think those are going to be the next two movies we do on the show uh, if you haven't done so already make sure to go and like our facebook page slasher street podcast on facebook and uh, if you are listening to us on itunes please 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 do leave us a five-star review it would be massively appreciated really helps us get our name out there more gets more people listening to the show uh, and if you do have time please do write us a review i would really really appreciate that um and obviously give us a share if you're on facebook or wherever you listen to us do give it a share would really 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 appreciate it uh and that's pretty much it for the week really so thank you so much everyone for listening once again hope you've all had an awesome week uh, and an awesome time with me here on slasher street podcast i will see you all next week have an awesome week stay safe out there and uh yeah i will see you all then and there's only one thing left to do and that is to stay Scared. Can't be. My eyes are deceiving me. What you see is real. What's done is done, and what I've done is right. It's the work of science. Yeah.